You know, you know what you call, uh, you know what you, here's a good thing to start the episode on, gentlemen. Mm. You know what you call uh, the loop, not the loop, sorry. You know what you call the open-ended sleeve of a wife beater? A gun show loophole. Oh, my God. Because <sighs> it's like. You see yes, the gun yeah, show? Yeah, okay, it's yeah, a gun yes. show. Yes, Steve, uh, that silence wasn't because we didn't get it. <laughs> I'm trying to... It was mostly anger because that was actually pretty good. Yes. <laughs> and what does that have to do with MacArthur Park? Absolutely nothing. Just like today's episode of the Song Topsy <laughs> Report, where we dissect bad, bizarre, or otherwise noteworthy music to figure out how it died. I'm really scraping the bottom of the barrel, Steve Trollinger. <laughs> I'm Nick Brigadier. And I'm Mike Russell. Yes. Uh, listen, guys. That's all I had. That's all you had. <laughs> Steve will be silent for the remainder of this episode. No, guys, this is episode 99 right now. 99. And you know what that means. Quote, unquote. <laughs> And you know what that means? It's the last episode of the... No. Uh, it's our <laughs> final <laughs> episode. Right. No. We have one more episode until we are at episode 100. Mike, why are you laughing? I'm just so overwhelmed with joy, Nick. Yeah, Mike, there are tears streaming oh. down his face. Oh, it is, it is, it's kind of A hundred episodes, we fucking made it! Triple digits. Not quite yet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> One of us could die next week. Oh, don't. Oh, guys. I'm a little nervous. No, uh, we have already alluded to, uh, I believe, saying that Steve has had this, uh, the song that we're discussing in episode 100, Steve has had mine since he joined the podcast. He didn't think that we'd actually make it to 100 episodes, but here we are, and episode 100 is going to be, uh, it's going to be good fun. It has been, it is very rare for me to be proven wrong. I will say that humbly and forthrightly. It's very brave of you, Steve. Thank you. But before we get to episode 100, we have to take a stop somewhere, a stop in a park. MacArthur Park specifically, actually, uh, because the song that we are discussing today is... Uh, thong Song. The Thong Song by Cisco, <laughs> once again. Uh, no, it is a song performed by Richard Harris, who uh, we will get into it, but I did not piece together which Richard Harris this was until surprisingly late in my research. Yes, I. Uh, Mike obviously has... No, I have no idea who Richard Harris is. I'm Mike so is just happy to be here. Mike wasn't here for that conversation we were having before. Yeah, you'll we'll, we'll save it for the end. It'll be a nice little surprise for you. Ah, okay. Uh, now, uh, real quick, to the listeners, though, uh, just in case you're in the same boat I was, I had never heard of this song before or heard it at all, but... As Steve has enlightened me, this is one of like the most covered songs in existence, and is very infamous in it, the music community. It is simultaneously um, oddly beloved and also obviously hated. <laughs> kind of like us. Yes, exactly. <laughs> kind of yeah. like me when I'm alone with my own thoughts. Oh, Steve. <laughs> Don't feel pity for me. I pity you. Steve. Don't touch me. <laughs> Steve, the listeners aren't your therapist. I say you over and over again. It's their job to make sure I don't break. <laughs> so please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, five stars preferably, or Steve will break. Oh, I'm about to break anyway. Um, so yeah, so I, I wanted to I want to bring this up for a long time because this is this is a very unique song uh, in the annals of songwriting history. Uh, it's going to actually be a little bit similar uh, to a few of the notes we had on our uh, Meatloaf episode for uh, uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Um, I'll get to that in a second, but first let's hear a little bit of the song. And don't worry if you don't know what's going on, 
we probably won't help much in that regard over the next hour, but at least you'll be where we are. there because that was 30 goddamn seconds uh, uh so this song uh, mike as you can plainly see this song is seven minutes and 24 seconds long so we're going to we're going to do a little bit of a stripped down episode this week because uh this is a fairly long song and i feel like we should hopefully be able to get through the whole thing steve regardless this episode is going to be two hours long. yes exactly two hours of fun uh so 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 so, so, so uh, i have a preamble i have a preamble oh, you got a pre- oh, I got a preamble. oh i'm shocked okay <laughs> okay, so so Mike, I'm gonna I'm gonna address this to you as the obviously for the past 99 episodes you have been the listener uh, POV. I I try to be there for my listeners, you know, to help them gain insight and you know you know uh, you ask siphon, the tough siphon questions. Through. I, I ask the questions and I get the the answers and uh, also siphon through the bullshit that you and Nick are throwing at them all the time. You know they don't often understand what the fuck you guys are talking. Oh, about. Oh, you mean facts? <laughs> so all right, look, Mike. Some of the greatest songs that we have as a culture are ones that tell a story in the singing, like the tale of a woman named Brandy, who was a fine girl, but loved a sailor whose wife was only the sea. Or the tale of a boy who bought a ring for a girl who was in a band, obla di obla da, etc., etc. <laughs> Fuck you, Paul McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's songs... Like MacArthur Park, which tell a different kind of story. One not bound by the conventions of narrative or plot or even tempo. (laughs) So MacArthur Park, a song written and composed by Jimmy Webb, uh, who is a uh, a singer, uh, not a singer himself, but a songwriter, composer, better known for hit songs like By the Time I Get to Phoenix and Wichita Line Man, which is a Glenn Campbell song. An Uh, avid park goer. Yes, avid park goer. Jimmy Webb uh, was approached in 1967 by record producer Dayton Bones Howe. Bones. His nickname was Bones because of all of the bones that he burgled. <laughs> Bur- he burgle? A, burgle? A bone <laughs> burglar. Uh, I assume he's uh, a grave robber of some uh, kind. Can't wait to steal me some bones. Um, Where can to, you sell bones? Is there like a black market for bones? Uh, there was in the late 19th century, Yes. Mike, you really missed your calling. You were born in the wrong era. I was, man. I could see you being a grave robber in like 1860s England or something. Well, because in the in the late 19th century, the medical profession was really expanding, but the laws and morality of the time, it was a Victorian era, uh, and uh, the laws and morality of that time really didn't allow for the actual like exhuming of bodies or the autopsying of bodies. So in order to get these bodies and these skeletons, surgeons and doctors had to rely on unscrupulous individuals who were willing to provide them. Oh. Steve, I do have to say, though, this podcast is not the autopsy report. It's the song topsy You're report. You're absolutely right, Nick. <laughs> so uh, Dayton Bones Howe uh, was... Wait, guys, song topsy sounds a lot like autopsy. Isn't that weird? That's, That's so, so weird. weird. Oh my! You know what? And I, yeah, never, my, I never picked that up until I, just this moment. Yeah, my bit was useless, Nick. <laughs> Mine was. 
guys, did we dissect bad music? Anywho. Also, Steve, I get a little like PTSD when you yell at me about my useless bits. <laughs> I've had some bad relationships. One day Nick's well, just going to snap and set this whole place on fire. I can't wait. It's his place. <laughs> I know. That's how you know I snapped. <laughs> It'll only hurt him. Steve, a sane person burns down someone else's house. An insane person burns down their own house. My mom said... Oh, never mind. <laughs> okay. So Dayton... Life is like a box of chocolates. Dayton Bones How uh, approached him in 1967 to create... He is ready. To create a hit pop song. But he wanted that pop song to be something new and different. He wanted it to have different movements and time signatures, and he wanted it to use classical music elements. Um, there, he was. He was a. He was a producer that was a uh, into a lot of what was known at the time as sunshine pop or soft pop. So, like the Mamas and the Papas, uh, the Beach Boys were kind of ah, in the genre the as well. Ball. You had to love the Beach um, Boys. Uh, bands that you know, like we're doing this pop music, but it wasn't. It was just kind of like nice, nice on a on a inoffensive, yeah. inoffensive. Back when people maybe, were happy, you know. Maybe psychedelic a little bit from time to time. But uh, in a clear example of the old adage, "Be careful what you wish for," with MacArthur Park, Webb delivered everything how it wanted. The song, for instance, has four movements. Mike, do you know what a movement is? Uh, no, a few it's not when you shit. Yeah, though. there you go. <laughs> um, Thank you for getting that joke out of the way. <laughs> song is four movements, and each movement has a different tempo. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like thinking of all the different. All the times uh, I shit and how quick I shit. <laughs> well, there's the ballad movements. There's hip movements. You know what other? <laughs> Just keep going. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, you can finish the beginning of the song. Finish your movement. The, the beginning of the song, a mid-tempo <laughs> intro, and opening section. We heard a little bit of which we heard called. And they all have different titles. This one is called do. "In the Park." Um, <laughs> I hate the song already. Uh, the second movement is a uh, has a slow tempo and a quiet section, and it is called "Out After, of the Park." It is, <laughs> it is called "After the Loves of My Life." A third oh. movement, which is an up-tempo instrumental section, which he called Allegro, um, which is led by drums, percussion, horn riffs, and builds to an orchestral climax. Is and, that... Is that one? <laughs> okay. That's what happens when you have sex with a London <laughs> Symphony Orchestra. That's what that is. <laughs> yes. Ah, oh, crash cymbals. That's that's how you know. That's, no, that's, that's when it's a good. That's when you don't fuck it up by accident, and it's like a half climax. You know, when you get the full. No, that's uh, a rim shot. That's a different section. Right. Oh, don't talk about rim shots in the orchestra. Yeah. <laughs> um, and last, uh, that's um, an impressive pianissimo you have. Last, uh, you want to get it out of your system? No, you I'm good. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll save them and strike later. Okay, <laughs> and lastly, a mid-tempo reprise of the first section, which concludes with the final courses and the total climax of the whole song. So this whole this song is like four songs, but one song. Yeah. Get it? Okay. I got kind of excited when I saw the song was described as Baroque pop. Yes. Baroque. It is considered, Baroque. It is considered a, a Baroque. part yes. of the Baroque pop genre, which is a, a genre of pop music that uses classical elements, usually including the heavy use of a harpsichord, which is in full force in this entire song yes. played by Jimmy Webb. He plays a harpsichord on this. I like a harpsichord. I like a good harpsichord. Yeah, yeah, man. You know, I, f I fuck with harpsichords. Yo, bro, bro, you down on harpsichords, bro? But this song made me question it. Um, we're gonna get through. I'm just gonna pound out. You just pound, just pound, pound out. it out. I'm Steve. Pound out all of the all of the information so we can get right to the song. Uh, so 
Web, oh. While Webb gave I him... Hassan needs some pillow talk, too, man. Like, <laughs> while Webb gave him what he wanted, Bones didn't much care for the how he did it and rejected the song. So he's like, well, you did everything I asked for, but you didn't do it the way I wanted you in my imagination to do it. So. Oh, God. Ain't it the worst when you just can't fulfill the fantasies of you know who you're trying to please? Uh, of your employer. <laughs> when that orchestral <laughs> climax ends disappointingly. So the song could have possibly ended there, but... At a fundraiser in L.A. that same year, Webb met uh, acclaimed Irish actor Richard Harris, who had just finished filming uh, the film adaptation of the musical Cabaret, where he played King Arthur, and decided that he wanted to release his own album. You mean Camelot? Camelot. He said Cabaret. And I was oh, like, I'm sorry, Camelot. Thank yeah. you. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, I, I Camelot. Just... Life is a cabaret, Lancelot! <laughs> um, about four people think that's a funny joke. <laughs> including Shout me. out to the theater people. Fucking... <laughs> um, so decided he so he got used to singing. He was singing because uh, it was a musical, and he thought, you know, I'm going to release my own album. Uh, and so he flew Webb to London. Webb played Harris a number of songs. Uh, Harris ultimately picked MacArthur Park as his debut solo, possibly due to all the weird things that Howe didn't care for about it. Uh, the court recorded because version- for the listeners, the song just brings up a lot of weird. Imagery. I'll just leave it at that until yeah. we get to the get to the, I was the gonna try to, meat. I was going to say the cake, but the cake of it. Um, grab them cakes, Mike. I, you know, that's where my mind went. Um, so the recorded version of the song includes string, woodwind, and brass instruments playing behind the Wrecking Crew, which is a famous group of studio musicians from L.A., uh, as well as Webb himself on the harpsichord. So he brought the whole gang out from L.A. to. Uh, to, L- to London, yeah. yeah. Um, and we'll get a little bit later on when I drop some uh, some trivia nuggets about the song, uh, what that session looked like, and what Richard Harris was as a uh, who Richard Harris was as a person. Uh, but with all of that oh, boring information out of the way, we can finally get to dissecting this song. Between the parted pages and repressed in love's fevered iron like a striped pair of pants. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> yeah, can we still, let, let's maybe go back to the first verse too and just yeah. go through what the hell he's talking about. Like a striped pair of pants. No, a striped pair a striped of pants. Striped. It has to fit striped. the meter. <laughs> it's Shakespearean like that. In love's hot fevered iron like a striped pair of pants. I mean, nothing gets this guy going like fashion, you know? Well, it's actually, it's comparing, it's 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 all over the place, metaphorically speaking, because in one verse, he talks about a book whose pages were pressed in an iron, which also presses pants. Who's ironing Stri- their striped, books? Striped pairs of pants. Striped so who's applying pants. an iron to their books that kills the resale value? Because it's not though, because the pages are pressed like a printing press when okay. it is when it is pressed into print. So the printing press on the books is like the iron to striped pants. But what are both of those in reference to? I have no earthly idea. The, the, they're in reference to love, Nick. Well, because the first verse is in reference to sp- what is this, spring. Spring was never waiting for us, girl. It ran one step ahead, and we followed in the dance. Oh, so they started the relationship in the the winter time. That's cute. So but- Mike, Mike has actually hit upon the fact that this song is about a relationship. The whole song is going to be about a relationship, specifically. I thought it was about a park. 
specifically uh, Webb's, MacArthur Park. Webb's relationship with his ex-girlfriend. Uh, so the entire lyric... Oh my God, they never got their honeymoon phase? <laughs> oh Jesus, man, this is hitting home right now. This is so... all, all of these <laughs> lyrics are inspired by the breakup. Um, MacArthur Park is, for you uh, who do not know, is uh, sort of like the central park of L.A. It's not quite as big, but it's like the park in the middle of L.A. where everyone goes. Uh, and MacArthur Park was where they two of them would meet for lunch. And many of the characters and events listed in this song are lifted from things and people they actually saw in the park. So a lot of this you're going to think is going to be stuff that he made up or a metaphor for something, but is actually a real thing he saw or a person he saw. That blew my mind because Whoa. when you hear the lyrics, Steve, can we get to the chorus? Because wait, Mike, have you heard the chorus? Yeah. I have I, I'm going to be honest, guys. You, yes. sent, you sent the link and I was like, you know what? No, that's fine. <laughs> I'm going to be that's honest, fine. guys. You sent the link and then I didn't bother to pay attention or listen or do anything to help for the episode. No, this is great because for the listeners who maybe haven't heard it, Mike, because when I heard the chorus... Okay, let just 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 play it. MacArthur's Park is melting in the dark. All the sweet green icing flowing down. Someone left the cake out in the rain. I don't think that I can take it. Cause it took so long to bake it. And I'll never have that recipe. Mike, do you remember when we said there's no metaphor in this song at all? But there is. Oh, but... <laughs> there is, but there isn't, not. but there is. But there is, but there is, but there is. This is a beautiful thing. It also... <laughs> so the cake Someone is real. left the cake out in the rain, the, Mike. The cake is real. Yeah. The cake is cake that he I and thought his the cake was a lie. That he and... No. <laughs> Still alive. Um, the... Uh, the cake is cake that he and his ex-girlfriend ate in MacArthur Park, and then it started to rain, and then the all the icing on the cake melted. That part's real. But so they left the cake uh, in the rain. So, yes, oh yeah. but then he's Wait, using on someone else. But then he's using this real event, which seems unrealistic to our eyes and ears, because who would leave a cake out in the rain? But he uses this real thing as a basis for a metaphor for his. The, the deconstruction, like the, the literal deterioration part of, his, of relationship. his relationship. Well, you know, he realized that when you have a beautiful, tasty thing like a cake, you need to take care of that cake. And if you don't take care of the cake, it's turn to mush. I, and that's good for nothing. So the uh, the in your mind, is the cake the woman or is the cake the relationship? The cake is the relationship. Okay, good. But the lady is tasty, okay? So That's it's like you can <laughs> have your cake and eat it too? <laughs> yes, Nick. Exactly. The but lady is that sweet green icing. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, it's described as green icing. It's not a, It's not attractive imagery. Well, is that because... What, what is the green... Is that because there's so many trees out in the park? I think it was just green icing on the cake. <laughs> See, like, if you just take it literally, <laughs> where he's like, ah! I baked this cake. Do you I, know I, how long it took? And I lost the recipe afterwards. Like, you know, like, like the, it was his great-grandmother's recipe. And now she, she told him it over the phone, and then she died right after he made the cake. It was the, her last, she died on the phone giving the recipe. <laughs> yeah. But the recipe equals the things they were doing to make the relationship work. And if they let it go, he'll never figure out how to make that cake the same way again. 
See, this song couldn't work in the present because you could go to BettyCrocker.com and just find the <laughs> recipe again. Yeah, but then you get a generic, you know, uh, basic cake. You Some know? people like a basic cake. Yeah. Some people like with... basic cake instead of no cake, Mike. Oh, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, when you're hungry, Steve. when you're hungry, you'll take any cake you can get. <laughs> Even a cake that's unhealthy. And I can't have gluten, so all <laughs> cakes are unhealthy for me. <laughs> Just like women. <laughs> women are the gluten to Nick's Nick life. That's, that's that's what this song does to you, Nick. Is that what it is? <laughs> what? This song makes you question the very fabric of reality itself. Yeah, not being able to eat the the contents of the cake adds a whole another metaphorical layer to this layered cake. <laughs> <laughs> and we continue. Can I just say, we're, yeah, go ahead. we're, we're looking at the this, this screenshot of the image of Richard Harris, and he, he looks he looks like either a Civil War era general or just like the, a butler in Downton Abbey. And just yeah, imagining yeah. him in a park in Los Angeles with like his coattails like running down to his ankles, bemoaning this cake that is being ruined in the rain. It's just very funny imagery to me. <laughs> I, can't, I, feel, I just can't take it. I can't take it. <laughs> He's like trying to scoop it up like in his coat. <laughs> Just leave it. Just... No! No! Nobody help me. <laughs> Just... You okay, Mike? I just see him covered in frosting. <laughs> no! green, green icing. The green icing. Oh. I recall the yellow cotton dress foaming like a wave on the ground Like tender babies in your hands And the old men playing checkers By the tree Okay, uh, okay. So old men playing checkers Thing that actually happened but And her... she stole baby birds from a nest? Did not happen Didn't happen? Are we sure? He's never told the story that way anyway. Okay you know, this this song is like the equivalent of the movie Faces of Death, where they have some real footage of dead things, and then they intersperse it with fake footage. For th- those of you who've never seen Faces of Death, that reference will make no sense, but... I think it's more like Memento. How so? Or is it Memento? It's, it's... Is everybody has the tattoos all over his back, and he's a blind, and he's a blind man? What's a no, movie? No, 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 no. What's he's a... not blind he man. Looks at, no. He looks in the mirror, and it spells back someone left the cake in the rain on his chest. What's a movie where uh, you're left left to question whether or not what you saw was real or not? Maybe Inception. Maybe the song is incepting. It it gives you just enough truth. Maybe it's gaslighting. It gives you just enough truth to make you wonder whether it's all true. But if it's all true, then what the hell happened that day? (laughs) You're saying we're being gaslit by Jimmy... What's what's Jimmy Webb? Jimmy Webb and Richard Harris? I think so. Dude, gaslighting's so fucked, man. This was a Mike Russell news bulletin. This just in, gaslighting bad. Back to you, Chet. Steve, I don't want to throw off the cadence of what you had planned, but I'm dying to let the listeners know where they might remember Richard Harris. All right. Wow. Well, oh, uh, you know, Nick, this, this, this is why Nick gets stuck with the research all the time. It's like, okay. No, this is why Nick gets stuck with the editing all the time. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so as loath as he would be if he were still alive to 
to, to have the sentence be said. Mike, have you ever seen Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone? And have you ever seen Harry Potter and the what was the second Chamber, Chamber of Secrets? Secrets. Yeah. Have you ever seen those two movies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how Dumbledore looked different in those two movies? <gasps> oh shit. Then from the root preceding. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So Richard Harris, famous Irish actor, like one of these like great, brilliant, uh, you know, well respected actors. He was he knew he was dying. Um, and he was offered this role. He knew he wasn't going to make it through all the movies, so he was going to take it, and then his granddaughter threatened to never speak to him again if he didn't take it. I'm assuming she must have been a little girl and unaware of the consequences of what she was saying, because basically she was saying, I won't talk to you until you die, Grandpa, if you don't make this movie. Oh, my God. God, kids but, are kids are so fun. The little monsters, every last one of them. I love them. I love them to death. But Jesus, I want to bring five or six of them in this world to I, plague yeah. it, oh. to plague mankind with suffering. But yes, that Richard Harris who played so, Dumbledore is the same guy bemoaning his cake in the rain. So, so Richard Harris is actually, yeah, Richard Harris was part of a group of uh, four actors. Uh, English and Irish actors uh, who later later on in life became known as like the Hellraisers. There was a, there was actually a biography on the four of them called Hellraisers. Came out a few years ago. But it used but before that they yeah. were called the Pussy Wrecking Balls. <laughs> which of us is which of us is lying? Which of us is telling the truth? Uh, so it was him. It was him. Peter O'Toole, Richard Burton, and a fourth one that escapes me at the moment. But uh, they were except- Timothy Spall. <laughs> Not old enough. They were. Uh, <laughs> he was twelve. They were known as very hard living individuals, hard drinking individuals. Richard Burton, that kind of people. Yeah, okay. was, so he actually yes. No, this is unhealthy. Like Richard Burton would drink half a bottle of vodka in the shower every morning. Oh, like the that hard kind. spirit. You That's just being time can't. efficient. You know, you're showering anyway. Yeah, but the hard spirits hit you way too fast. Mm. You know what I mean? And they, and, and honestly, you're not even social. You can't really socially drink like that. That's. But you can still act and sing. But like all, yeah, all these guys get less fat, I guess. Live throughout the '60s and the '70s, and all four of them have no real recollection of what they did during those decades. <laughs> They're like, just all their cake recipes are gone. That's all they know. Uh, in fact, when Jimmy Webb on uh, The Guardian, the, which, uh, that's a UK publication, I think, on The Guardian was uh, telling the story of how he wrote this song, uh, his the bits where he discussed the meetings with Richard Harris. Uh, usually involve for instance in this uh, he's talking about when they first met uh, it was late 1960s i was doing music for an anti-war pageant with some hollywood stars <clears throat> including mia farrow and edward g robinson richard harris and i started hanging out after rehearsals and drinking black velvets which are 50 percent guinness and 50 percent champagne oh my god uh one night after a few i said we ought to make a record uh, Richard Harris had started had started in the movie Canalot and sang every song in it beautifully. A few weeks later, I received a he- telegram saying, "Dear a Jimmy telegram? Webb, telegram, Jesus, dear Jimmy Webb, come to London, make this record, love Richard." I'm surprised he didn't send an owl. <laughs> <laughs> come on, that was he was talking about Dumbledore. Uh, got a flight. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. I appreciate this. I got a flight and stayed with Richard in Belgravia. Over the course of two days, we tore through thirty or forty of my songs. I was playing the piano and singing. He was standing there in his caftan, waving his arms and expressing excitement at some songs. Uh, the best what? went into the album. Just imagine him leading back, going, woo, woo, woo. Yeah, I like it! 
MacArthur Park <laughs> MacArthur Park was at the bottom of my pile. By the time I played it, we had moved on to straight brandy. But Richard slapped the piano. Oh, Jimmy Webb, I love that. I'll make a hit out of that, I will. Uh, then he just so yeah. Then he described uh, recording the tracks uh, in Hollywood with a wrecking crew. Rehearsed it a few times. Richard uh, did the vocals at a London studio. He had a picture of Pims by the microphone. We knew the session was over when the Pims was gone, and I could never get him to sing the title correctly. He'd say Jimmy Webb, I've got it. Then he'd sing MacArthur's Park <laughs> instead of MacArthur Park. <laughs> and then by that point, he'd be too drunk. He couldn't tell him what to do. <laughs> So is he shit-faced in this recording? Maybe. <laughs> but that's the thing. These guys drank so hard, you, uh, unless they were apps like their, their level, their like Overton window had been pushed far to, the, far to the edge of what is possible. Like you couldn't tell if they were, they would be shit-faced and perfectly normal. It's when they appeared drunk that you know that they had drunk an inhuman amount of alcohol. Like the kind that kills people. Yeah. yeah. All those butterbeers at Hogsmeade just built up their tolerance. <gasps> Gee, I wonder why I didn't want to get into that that fast. <laughs> it's almost as if I had an idea as to what would happen. Oh, Nick, just, Nick, you want to make Harry Potter references the whole time. I didn't realize I did until now. But yes, that's all I want to do for the remainder of this episode. <laughs> all right, well, we're going to move on then. Richard, it's MacArthur Parks. Richard! Wait, what? Like, fuck it, Tyler. Like, fuck it's MacArthur's Park. It's got to be MacArthur's Park. No, Richard, it's not. It's MacArthur Park. Now, what? but why can't he make it... Why can't MacArthur own that park for a day? Why can't it be possessive? You know what? Yeah, you know what? I agree. Let's let MacArthur have the park. Get I'm gonna the start, park, Steve! Let's, let's start a song topsy hashtag. Give MacArthur the park, and we'll get at least two retweets. With everything happening, I like. that's what we need to dedicate our time and energy toward. All right, I think we're moving on to the second movement now. Because, yes, the... He is once again reiterating that the icing is, is flowing down and someone left the cake out in the rain. rain I don't think How long does it take to bake a cake? Like, what, an hour tops? Well, I mean... Guys, guys, this is beyond the purview of the, of the stated goals of this podcast. Au contraire, this is exactly the kind of content we need to be discussing. Now, it all depends, Nick, on when you consider you're baking the cake. Is it when you put it all in the oven? Or are we talking about when you start the meal prep? You know, when you're, when you're the mixing but as bowls long as and you're cracking of the eggs. But if you preheat the oven while you're doing that, it's not like you're adding that time onto it. You preheat the oven, you crack the eggs, you stir the batter. By then, oven should be preheated. You stick it in for 25 to 35 minutes. Yeah, or in Nick's, in, in Nick's case, at a certain point, you put on, like, the steel gloves so that you can handle the yeast without killing yourself. It's not the yeast, it's the wheat. No, I can uh, have all the yeast I want. What about chaff? Can you have chaff? I don't know. And what about when you, you gotta carefully cut it out of the pants and then you gotta frost it? Is it part of the baking process? If you bake the cake, like, cause you know, it's, I know you're baking for a certain amount of time, but then all, everything that makes a cake, like that, you need all those steps, Nick. And yeah, I was listening to the episode because I I was really waiting, couldn't wait for him to hear them uh, dissect the song MacArthur Park. But they spent a whole ten minutes talking about how to bake a cake properly. Well, maybe if what well, I was going to say, MacArthur. It's not MacArthur. If Jimmy Webb could bake a proper cake, it wouldn't dissolve in the rain so easily, and he wouldn't have even needed this metaphor. What kind of McDonald's bullshit cake are you eating? You can't even eat cakes. Do you, do you, I can have a gluten-free cake. Betty Crocker does have a gluten-free mix. If you, 
Betty. This, guys, that one, if you sneeze, though, it disintegrates. Guys, there's five minutes left in this song. <laughs> We're two minutes in. Most of this is so repetitive anyway. Uh, you know what? He should have had a sponge cake, Nick. He should have had a sponge then cake. Then the cake just the gets rain. bigger the and, more it rains. And also, and also, Nick, you are wrong. One of the problems of this song is that it is not repeating. The chorus repeats because the chorus is supposed to, but it is almost all new lyrics all the time. Fine. Let's hear more things that happen in the park. Now he's in slow motion, just waving his hands in the sky over the cake. <laughs> Voldemort! There will be another song for me, for I will sing it. A lot of vibrato there. There will be another dream for me. Someone will bring it. Okay, hold up a second. Hold up a second. Hold up a second. Hold up. Who the hell is bringing him dreams? <laughs> what kind of demonic wait, wait, bullshit wait, 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 is wait, Richard wait. Harris doing? Wait, wait. Can we just for a second stop and dissect the sentence? Wait a second. Who's bringing him dreams? As Mike Russell begins... Of an hour-long discussion of the of the mythological representation of dream over the. Uh. Call me old-fashioned. Hold on, hold on. Who brings people dreams? Is it the Sandman, Oneros, Morpheus, the BFG? Or, are they all the same being? Call me old-fashioned, but I make my own dreams. You know, I respect that. I don't need some crazy stuff happening at nighttime. You know. And that's that's when you need a dream catcher, you know, because it gets a little crazy. And do you have a dream catcher? I don't have one. Okay, well then, that, I should well, get then what one. the fuck no. are you talking about? <laughs> Mike doesn't have one because that would be cultural appropriation. Also, speaking of, old, well, first of all, Nick, I'm just I, uh, fuck that. <laughs> see the button I'm pushing on Mike. <laughs> boop boop. Also, Mike, speaking of old fashioned, it sounds like Richard Harris is holding one in his hands as he's singing this because the, he's not quite on pitch actually. No, it's pims. We we covered that. It's a it's a yes. glass of pims, which is just gin, right? What is pims? Pim? Pims. It's basically <laughs> gin. I did. I don't. I don't fuck with gin. Actually, uh, Tori, to our uh, eagle Yeah, ear. it's gin. Yes. It's, it's fucking gin. He's just drinking a big, tall glass of gin. And to our listeners, there's actually one point in the song where he slips up, and instead of cake, he says gin. That's not true. But oh. I'm sure at some uh, point... Someone left my pims out in, in the, the rain. rain. Wait, in the rain. Oh, no. But I'll drink it anyway, because... I've got to get shit faced and <laughs> Richard, Richard, stop drinking it off the ground. No, no. I will drink the wine while it is warm. Oh, Becky will. I'll never let you catch me looking at the sun. What? And after all the woes of my life. After all the lows in my life, you'll still be the one. Aw, oh, that's 
sweet. Jesus, man. This is sad. Now now we moved into the part of the song. I thought Rune Cake couldn't get any sadder, but he was singing. So all the cake stuff was him singing about the dissolution of the relationship. This is singing about after the end, and he's looking back on it. As we all do, or not all of us, but as a lot of us do with past relationships. I never look back. With past relationships. Forward. A lot of us can tend to view them with rose-colored glasses, mm. I would say. That's a, that's a human trait. Oh, the rosiest of colors. Yeah. yeah. Um, without thinking about the things that could have happened to us uh, had we continued on. Um, we won't tell that story. But Mike Nick, is it's new okay, it. man. Mike, Don't worry about it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> our, oh my God. our souls that could have been sold to the devil without our knowledge or <laughs> all the robberies we could have committed without realizing it. You know, I, I think he needs to slow down. Why is he running? He's drinking warm wine and running away. You know, why don't you, why don't you split the bottle? Or get a Pims with, with, with Morpheus, the dream god. <laughs> You're the one who brings me my dreams. Oi, Morpheus. 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 Come here, you son of a bitch. You're fucking handsome, you know that? You drink with me. You'll have a drink. You'll have one. He's grabbing Morpheus by the cuff of his collar. I will take my life into my hands and I will to destroy the Horcruxes. <laughs> oh, I actually can't stand his singing in this. I love Richard Harris, but Jesus no, Christ. No, bullshit. Is... You love Richard Harris from the two movies that you remember. He was from. also in The Count of Monte Cristo. Did you look that up earlier when I no, yelled at you? No, I saw the Count of Monte Cristo right. in theaters, and I'm like, and I remember, I'm like, that's Dumbledore. Because I challenged you, I was, I was, because I compared him to Raul Julia, another great underrated actor who is only going to be remembered, not only going to be remembered, but whose last movie was was a thing that he wasn't particularly. Well, he was great in it, but it was a bad movie. But and and I challenged Nick. I said, name one movie Raul Julia is in, and then Nick did a sharp intake of breath and got out a single syllable before I hit back at him. Not Adam's family related. And that <laughs> and shut him up, but good. Because yes. I'm, I'm just so taken in by the song right now. <clears throat> yeah, Mike is just staring unblinkingly at the screen. I, I will take my life into my hands and I will use it. Now this sounds, despite how sad he sounds, sort of like, uh, like, insp- like inspiring. Like, hey, something's going to happen it's the with secret. his life. It's uh, take your life into your own hands and fucking do something with it. But then he wrote he wrote the secret. I That's will true. I will win the worship in their eyes and I will lose it. So because he's so is it not call me young in this class? I don't know. Is it because we have no choice? Is he so obsessed with getting like this cult following that at the end of the day he is then still losing his life to the work of trying to get these people eyes on him. I I believe what I believe what he's getting at is again because the theme of this movement is uh what what did I say it was called the loves the, of the, my yeah, life. Yeah, after the loves of my life. I assume the people that he is not naming explicitly but talking about are the previous loves of his life and he is talking about what what he how how that's that's how he describes his relationships with women. 
he'll win the worship in their eyes and then he'll lose it. Like this is how this is his description of his relationship with women. He's not necessarily trying to create a cult personality that we know of. That we know of. He's not Manson, who was also very busy in 1969. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a lot of busy cult leaders in the <laughs> late 60s. Ah, oh, it's just funny to me. It's like happy and then not so happy and then well, what happens here next? <laughs> Richard Harris, did he just make a skeet skeet joke? Get out of here. <laughs> Wait, where? <laughs> my uh, well, Mike, Mike is doing what uh, we in the psychoanalyst business like to say is projecting. <laughs> but which line? Uh, the passion flow like river through the sky, Nick. Uh-huh. Now, what's, what's, what, if you were to think of a passion liquid, what now, would it be? Mike, what do you think it says about you? What? That that's the first thing that when this metaphor is used, this is this is the picture your brain paints. What rivers in the sky do you see, Steve? Uh, clouds. You don't have to answer that, Steve. This is a metaphor. Look, I I didn't realize you were a cloud fucker, Steve. Because why? <laughs> it says the passion flow of the river in the sky. You know, sometimes a cigar <laughs> is just a cigar, Mike. Although I kind of like the name cloud fucker, Steve. <laughs> It's my uh, <laughs> it's my Fortnite name. Can't oh damn! Got killed by Cloudfucker Steve again. This is bullshit. That's Richard Harris. <laughs> Your name must be Cumulonimbus because you just got fucked by me. And wondering why. Why what? Why is she gone? Why did it not work? Why does it keep fucking all these ladies? All of the above. And why is he still out in the park looking at the cake getting rained on? There's a lot of questions he's asking. Uh, you know, this, this kind of... This kind of song uh, reminds me a little bit as... Uh, to me, it's kind of an antecedent to R.E.M.'s music. Um, which to me always felt like weird poetry. Like R.E.M. lyrics just sound like high school poems set to music, maybe like like adulted up a little bit, but like, you know, like if you, if, like, uh, uh, like, oh man, what is that Smack song? my bitch up. That's not R.E.M. R.E.M.? No. Oh, I'm thinking EDM. Smack my bitch. <laughs> no, who Michael does, Stipe who does writing smack? a song. Who does smack, smack my bitch up? My bitch up. <laughs> That's um, uh, Prodigy. Oh, yeah. Left my cake out. Bam, 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 bam. But like the song, no, it's like the song. Uh, uh, oh, is it Night Swimming? I can't remember the song. But it, there's, it, it very, it reads like, it reads like poetry a little bit. Like the bull and the bear are marking their territory. That's, it's like a, you know, like bull for Wall Street, bear for bear markets. Like it's, it reads like poetry to me. Which is what this also reads like, but I like for it's some like reason pump. Yeah, I, I like REM a little bit better for some reason. Um, so this song, uh, uh, after its initial release, Webb actually had a meeting with one Elvis Presley. What? Uh, who loved the song, and wanted to do wanted to cover it. He wanted to sing it, uh, but 
uh, Elvis's manager at the time, Colonel Tom Parker, <laughs> uh, interfered. Uh, basically, like he had the meeting with Elvis. Webb went outside. Parker went out with him and said, "Well, I guess we won't be seeing you around here no more." Really? And he turned to him and said, "Why is that?" He's like, "Well, because we want songs that we can own. Like we want Elvis. He was trying to get Elvis to cover to sing songs that, uh, like he was like sing like not singers themselves, but like songwriters, composers to bring him songs that then Elvis and by extension Colonel Parker could just straight up own." Oh. But why, by, why not share ownership? Well, by by this time it was already like number two on the U.S. Yeah, Billboard it, 100. It went way way up. Yeah. Damn. So like he he was like he he actually Jimmy Webb was like I don't need Elvis, be great, but I don't need Elvis. What uh, a great place to be in. Yeah. <laughs> Although I got I can perfectly imagine Elvis singing the song. I can imagine exactly in my head. But he would but say. he loves the he loves the song. And during his uh, 68 comeback special, which is televised during the behind the scenes like outtakes. He would just sing the song, like in between, like filming. He would just start singing it, but he would like do it jokingly. Like he would change the, he would use the same lyrics, but he would sing them to like his songs. So he'd be, he'd be using, he'd use like a, a, a Jailhouse Rock, but he'd be singing the lyrics of MacArthur Park. Which, uh, if you want to, uh, I think you can find it online. I, I found it earlier, but the sound quality is really shitty, so it wasn't really going to play well. So that's why I didn't, I didn't use it. Um, <clears throat> But in addition to Elvis, this song would be covered by dozens of people. Like, it is one of the most covered songs. That, that's the thing. I'd never heard of this song before. But And there's a, there's a reason for that, I think. It's my own personal theory. But the song would be covered more famously by Donna Summer. Like, her version, she actually split it to two parts. It probably makes it a little bit more palatable. But uh, So she did a version. Uh, there's a country-western version from Waylon Jennings. Uh, there's a Motown version from the Four Tops. And then other, other artists to cover it include Glenn Campbell, Michael Crawford, a.k.a. the Phantom of the Opera, uh, Sammy Davis Jr., our old friend Maureen McGovern from uh, Can You Read My Mind? Oh, uh, yes. Uh, can You Burn can... My Tower? <laughs> can You Sink My Ship? Can You Bake My Cake? How dare you do that before, Nick? How dare you? No, Mike. He's been waiting yeah. all episode. <laughs> I have cake hadn't risen yet. Uh, ooh, good one. Uh, not so. Ooh, good one. <laughs> Burn <laughs> like my cake. Uh, Burn my cake up. Marine McGovern, Liza Minnelli, The Supremes, Dionne Warwick, and Frank Sinatra would and all... Five Finger Death Punch. Five and... Finger Death Punch. <laughs> So there's a reason I I believe there's a reason why I got so much <laughs> you just so much goddamn rain on the cake and you just can't take that fucking cake go back. <laughs> oh we oh we oh oh no I sing outside. Oh oh no. <laughs> Yo, that shit's funny. (laughs) Thanks, Larry the Cable Guy. (laughs) I don't care who you are. It's funny right there. So you ask, you guys, you ask, and and Nick asked before, you were like, why have I never heard of this song if so many people have covered this? My theory, I don't know if it's true, but my theory is that this song is kind of like a singer's song. The same sort of phenomenon, like if you ask an author their favorite novel and they say, oh, Ulysses by James Joyce, 
Or you ask an actor or director of their favorite movie, and they say, oh, Citizen Kane. But why not Scott Pilgrim versus the world? <laughs> Very good question. But that, that's, that's the point I'm getting at, is that you, you ask people who are in the game what their favorite thing is in that game, they will probably answer something that only they enjoy because they are in that game and they get like the construction like I yeah. you know like I'm an author and I love reading James Joyce's Ulysses because I can I it, I understand it cuz I'm part of that world or I love Citizen Kane it's not a horrible long boring movie to me cuz I get I see what went into making it I feel like this is that yeah. for singers <laughs> yeah having read Citizen or um James Joyce in college, I can say no normal person actively enjoys, yeah. would enjoy reading that. It's a thing enjoyed by and understood by students of the game, but incomprehensible to ordinary consumers of whatever the genre is. Ah, uh, because who wants to have to do research before they can watch something and enjoy it? It's like going to Shakespeare. I don't. That's why I hate this show. <laughs> and and Mike, I'd, fight, I, I'd push back a little on Shakespeare. Oh, okay. You're telling you me, just don't get it. You're telling me, Nick, that um, that uh, before English classes, uh, when it would when you had to dive into every fucking metaphor he was talking about in like a Midsummer Night's Dream or whatever, uh, that you you could have sat and watched a play like that and just gotten every fucking reference that he was talking about. It's it's like anything you develop almost a vocabulary for it the more time you spend with it. No, I I've, I also I, also that also depends on if they're doing it well or not because great actors can take Shakespeare, which again to a lot of people is probably incomprehensible and boring, but a great great actors can take that material and like interpret it in such a way that it flies off the page and makes the people watching it understand it. The problem with Shakespeare is that it's hard to do that. So there's a lot of bad Shakespeare. And most people were exposed to it when you were in like 10th or 11th grade and Just people, like were, people were reading from the books. Wait, what? I, I feel like I talked over a, a, a joke. Uh, a hilarious Mike, Mike Russell point. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, you were exposed to Shakespeare when you were in 10th grade. I wonder how many other kids said that back in the, you know, when he was around <laughs> I'm sorry, Mike. Were there rumors that he was like a child molester that I wasn't aware of? Methinks the Russell doth protest too much. Methinks doth rightly as well, forsooth. <laughs> Excuse me, guys. Sorry. Bad, bad Shakespeare molestation joke. <laughs> you make one they... at one every episode. I was gonna say, what are the good ones? <laughs> is like a hurricane here in Duckburg. Race cars, lasers, airplanes, it's a duck blur. Must have a mystery or make a cake. Tailspin. Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci gang. And it just goes on like this. It's going. All these instruments were played entirely by Richard Harris by himself in one take. <laughs> just like Nargaroth. <laughs> Can you just imagine, like, pounding away on that harpsichord? Just, ah, super fast. Yeah, this is fucking Baroque pop, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> My office clock is melting. 
God, this is this is dude. You know why he says someone? You know why he says someone? Because he and this is why all his relationships failed, and this is why this one's failing. I know what you're gonna say. He can't take the blame. <laughs> Wait, what do you think I was gonna say? I don't know. Something about ejaculating, probably. What? No, guys. Come again. <laughs> oh, so he thinks like so he gets home, baby. I don't know. Somebody <laughs> left the cake out in the rain, but I, I don't know. How, but it's ruined. So you're, you're saying his the reason why he can't make relationships work is because he refuses to accept his part in their ultimate dissolution. He won't take the responsibility. He should have said, "I left the cake out in the rain. My bad." Because in a Let's, way, all of his excuses are half baked too. Wow, we just <laughs> we just had like a weird antimatter universe moment where Mike made a well thought out reasoned salient point about the song we were discussing and then Nick said something stupid. <laughs> I would beg to differ that my contribution was is, stupid. Is good bad now? Is bad good? Mercury's in retrograde right now it seems so who the fuck knows? Is darkness light? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I imagine like this music video that we have to make now, like all the old men playing checkers and all the birds and like everyone's standing around this cake. <laughs> They're all oh no! Seems uh, <laughs> like a group like everything like, he's talked about so far is now about around the cake. Uh, I'm imagining the uh, the recording booth where this was the first take, and Webb's just like, um, that was okay. Richard, <laughs> Richard, you think we could we could try a couple more takes, and then all Richard Harris does is like pick up his empty glass where there was a big tall glass of Pims before, and then he shakes the empty glass, like and the ice clinks in it, and then shakes his head knowingly, and then walks out. <laughs> oh, okay. I guess that's I, that's I, the take then. I guess we got it. I think we got it. It's fine. But that was MacArthur Park. A real yeah. mind fuck of a song. That was a mind I thought it was fuck. beautiful. Mind freak! <laughs> <laughs> did you hear the version of the song he did where instead of cake, it was Birdie Bots Every Flavored Beans that were left in the rain? Uh, did you hear the version <laughs> where I unplugged, no, 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 your, no. Where I unplugged <laughs> your headphones and then no, no, stabbed no, no, you no, in no, the no, eye no, with no, the no, audio see, jack? See, this is great. This is great. Do you, you know, he uh, in the song, he accidentally came across a, a vomit-flavored one, <laughs> but uh, then he tried it again, but that time it was earwax. And then he left Harry Potter in the... And then he died, Nick. Okay? <laughs> then he died. See, I'm trying to keep it to the character, not the beloved actor who died. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's MacArthur Park. Uh, I, I'm actually surprised... I'm trying to Harry Potter references right now. <laughs> we don't even bother. We're, Nick, we're, it's not funny when Nick does it. It's not going to be funny when we do it. <laughs> There's a, no, I'm actually surprised, no, Mike. Listen. <laughs> oh my God! I'm in the antimatter universe again. Nick's saying, "Listen." Said, "No, guys, wait, wait, listen. wait, wait, Steve. You're telling me that I'm not funny when I say Harry Potter jokes? That's bullshit." Man. Oh my God! Huh? How do I get back to my timeline? <laughs> Is Trump still the president? <laughs> 
did Gore win? Did he win? <laughs> Gore! Um, I'm actually surprised, Mike. You you haven't heard of the of the Weird Al parody of the song before. Of this one? Yeah. Uh-huh. Wait, weird, I weird Al I, made a parody of I'm this. Oh yeah. I'm gonna give you guys each a single guess to tell me what you think the subject, the topic of Weird Al's parody for MacArthur Park was. The cake. No, hang on. That's what? not his guess. Oh. <laughs> That's not your guess. Okay. What What do you think? What What do you think? Uh, Weird Al used to parody MacArthur Park. What do you think? I'm trying to think of all the about? words that rhyme and what he would change them to. You don't even need to do that. Rake. You guys are thinking way too much about this. Shark. <laughs> Mike's <laughs> technically closer. What is it? Jurassic Park ah. is frightening in the dark. All That's the good. dinosaurs are running wild. <laughs> of I like course. That. I like that. That's good. That's good. I didn't want to I didn't want to play it because I didn't think I needed to. <laughs> I like how you're like, That's not his guess. That's not yeah, a, he had a brain fucking fart right there. I was, I was trying to help you out because I know Steve would jump on that. Uh, and I did. Like a velociraptor. Well, it took me a second. I'm like, what do you mean what the fuck it's about? <laughs> Funny as that is the cake to me. Dress but, part, that's good. I like that. Steve, thank you for bringing uh, MacArthur Park into our consciousness. It uh, it makes a lot of, and the only reason I, and one of the reasons I did it, and I don't know if I said it already, it makes, it makes quite a few worst songs ever uh, lists. <laughs> Uh, both for its unnecessary length. So long, seven and a half. Get the fuck out of here. It's it's weird. I've semi- I've also been uh you know given feedback for my unnecessary length. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll never escape. I'll never <laughs> wait, escape wait, wait, the anti-matter You're universe. Me. <laughs> Listening to the lyrics of MacArthur Park and trying to decipher them has opened some sort of gash in space time. Bad is good, and good is bad. Sacred is profane. Uh, but are there any other final notes for this? Or can we thank our we listeners thank, for enduring we, it with fine, us? Fine, we can thank our listeners now, I guess. Yes, listeners, thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And you can follow me at Nick Frigadier <laughs> on Instagram and Twitter. And check out DapperDevilProductions.com where you can check out all of our stuff. That's DapperDevil.com. C-O-M and uh, yeah like Steve says you know you can also send us like feedback or reviews you know five stars preferably and uh, yeah and what uh, what uh, what 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 item of, what kind of food would you leave in the rain when you were in a park and uh, Mike Russell uh, yeah you can find me at uh, <laughs> or just don't uh, Mr. Mike Russell dot com um, <laughs> and uh yeah i uh, i've been working on a lot of Stop projects it. <laughs> it's gonna be a uh i have this new uh uh you know nick's making a movie it's gonna be it should be good and oh. uh i guess nick where can we find you <clears throat> all right hold on uh candy bread candy bread candy bread, candy bread, candy bread. okay <laughs> Candy bread, candy bread. Are these candy. my core qualities. <laughs> I can't do it. You're just you're you're so boring. You're just so boring. What? Just say some fucking puns. I can't. That's that's his superpower. I'm one of a kind, baby. <laughs> I can't. Even terrible ones refuse to come to mind. I'm Steve Trollinger. You can find me on Instagram and on Twitter at your man Trollo, because I'm Steve Trollinger. <laughs> 
Mike is Nick. <laughs> Nick is Mike. I'm me. Good is bad. <laughs> and uh, and also that is the end of this episode, guys. Next week, episode one hundred. One hundred. And I was trying to be you at the end there. Yeah, I got that. <laughs> <laughs> I got that part. All right, but f- Mike but- is Steve. <laughs> Nick is Mike. Who's Mike then? Who's Nick and Steve? <laughs> And we will see you next week. Take care. Oh, yeah. Steve needs to get his bit out of the way at the end. (laughs) And I'm going to go make a cake. the song that plays through Steve's head on a regular basis. The world has gone insane, and parasites are eating at my brain. Nothing is the way it was before. A pack of wolves is howling at my door. I'm living in a non-stop nightmare. Dead men's dreams filled with screaming pain. Hurling me to mad extremes in a world that's gone insane. Uh, thank you for those 16 bars. Next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Dapper Devil production, see?